Good morning, everybody. I just got to say, what a special time we get to have together on Sunday mornings. I, I love seeing the songs that we sang today. Man, it moves my heart. And we're not just singing words. If you are a Christian, if you're a disciple, if you were baptized into Christ, we're singing about our heritage. Yeah. We're singing about where we come from. Amen. We're singing about our history. These words mean something, and they hold weight. When we sang, here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, man, my eyes started watering up because that means something to me. And it's cool that we get to be here today. It it really is. This is family time. You know, I want to, if you're here for Parents Weekend, I want to welcome you. We are so glad that your kids are here with us. Because this is a family, and without them, it's not quite as much of a family. You know, we need them here for it to feel like family. You know, and when we come together on Sundays, this is family time. From the kids coming in and singing with us, and us singing those funny, silly songs, to, to hearing them sing the songs, the, the rest of the songs. Man, it's moving. And to look around and to, to see people's faces when we're singing... I don't know if you guys, I get a rare, a rare like view. I get to stand in the front a lot, and I get to see everyone's face often. And know what? When, when I'm not up front, that's the thing I miss the most, is getting to see people's faces when they're singing. To look at them and to realize I'm singing the same words that you are. You and I, we're in the same race. We're in the same fight together. And there's a reason why we're doing this together, that we're not coming here in the on Sundays just to play. We're not just filling out that spreadsheet. You know, and in a family, it's awesome. We get to rejoice when when others are rejoicing. You know, to hear that there's a situation coming. That is awesome. That is awesome. And that we're all excited about that because that's one more member of our family. You know, what a cool thing. And we had some Man, we had some great successes this week. Man, I don't know if you guys know this, but David just finished his third year of medical school. And he found out, he found out that he passed his boards. And we need to celebrate. That is awesome. My man, is, he is working hard, and it's not easy. It's stressful. You know, and his heart aches about this stuff. And when good stuff happens, man, we're in the fight with you, David. We love you. Lindsay, where are you? Man, when was it? Yesterday? She passed the NCLEX. She is officially a nurse. All right? That is awesome. That is so cool. We get to celebrate together. I'm proud of you guys. We need... We need you guys, and we need to be happy when our, when our family is happy. You know, it, it's awesome. But today, I want us to get the wheels spinning a little bit. And first, I, I put on here, I need to introduce myself. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Ben. Uh, my name is Ben Galbraith. Uh, my wife is Sarah. She was up here singing. A little bit about myself. I am a mechanic. Um, uh, I'm going to school full-time to finish up my bachelor's. 
Uh, my wife, she's a nurse, uh, and she works in Baptist Easley in the hospital. So hopefully you feel safe with having your kids here because there's doctors and nurses everywhere, okay? They're going to be safe. Um, yeah, yeah. So the... the uh, uh, you know, and... Where was I? I'm introducing myself. We, you know... And we get, to, we get the pleasure of, uh, we get to help serve by leading one of the family groups here. You know, and, and that's, a, that's a really cool thing to be able to, to kind of just facilitate family, facilitate intimacy with each other, you know, and, and that's so needed. And um, so that's me, but I want us to get the wheels spinning because right now the last thing I want you to do is to just kind of, Sit back, fold your arms, and relax, you know. It's family time, but we've got to talk like family talks. And, and we've got to talk about real things and go below the surface. Yeah. You know, as a family, we can't just be on the surface with each other. Amen. You know, and uh, just to start off, I've got two thoughts that uh, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about running the race. And, and, and a, a week or so ago, we talked about being lukewarm. And I had a thought about that. And I've heard some people since then talk about that, and I wanted to say something about it. And, and I've heard people say, you know, I'm feeling lukewarm. I feel like I'm not engaged. And I feel like I, I need to do something radical. You know, I need to spice it up. I need to be, you know, I need to get my groove back. And what I have to say to you is that this race, it's not a one-time thing. It's not a, we can't just do something radical and drum something up. That's not going to work. Yeah. What I would encourage you to do if you feel that way is to be radical in the mundane things in your life. Yeah. In the day-to-day -day decisions that you make, decide, I'm going to be radical in the way that I read my Bible and pray. Amen. I'm going to be radical in the way that I love my people. Yeah. You know, the people around me, the people I see, I'm going to be radical about that. I'm going to be radical with the way that I deal with sin in my life. Yes. And those aren't the big glamorous thing. I'm not out in front like healing people, but that's what Jesus yeah. did. And he made an impact. He was radical. Yeah. He was different. He changed the society around him. And we can do that, but it, it takes being radical with the mundane things, yeah. the simple things, Amen. the easy things. So I was thinking about that, and then I, I'm in a class, and we're talking about communication, and we had to read a, a letter of someone dealing with conflict, and we had this big, long list. I read this letter that Martin Luther King wrote while he was in prison. And, and it, man, talk about someone who could communicate well, someone who could, like, get his point across. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. And I was reading that, and this... He was a spiritual guy. He had a, you know, and, and he was smart. And I realized, man, you have to be educated to make an impact in this life. You know, we all want to make a difference. We all want to be, you know, do something, you know, that's ingrained in us. We want to make a difference. We want to make, make that impact. It's ingrained in us. But we need to be educated. And our first thought, my first thought was like, man, I need to be able to read and write and communicate well. That is what is important. You know, if I want to make an impact, and those things are important.
But what's more important is that we are educated in this. Okay? We will never make a real impact if this is not involved and if we don't know this. Okay? And and there's a ton of students in here. I'm a student. You know, we're all trying to learn and grow, and that's great. But if we don't take the time to get to study this, uh, we won't ever really make an impact in our lives. You know, uh, I read a proverb, and it says, though it costs all you have, get understanding. It's not easy. Gaining this education does not come simply you know, it takes time and effort, and it takes being radical in those mundane things. But if we do, it will change not only our life, but our community. Amen. And that's so important. So that's a freebie. You got those for free. Now we're going to jump in after I pray. God, what a blessing it is to know you. What an honor it is to be called your servant. What an honor it is to die to myself and make you Lord. Father, uh, the whole reason we're doing this is because of you. And if it's about anything else, we need to leave or change our heart or change our mind because that's wrong. It's It's not right. That's not what you designed. You want an intimate relationship with us and you want to know us. And you gave your son for that. And Father, I pray that this morning we will engage our hearts and our minds and that we will will listen carefully for the Holy Spirit. Father, and that we will answer when it calls. Be with me this morning. Help me to be in tune with your Spirit. Help me to say nothing that is out of line with your Scripture. Father, and uh, help me to, to say only what you would have me say. And Father, thank you so much just for this family that we have. Man, you knew what you were doing when you designed the church. You knew. I couldn't have come up with this. So God, thank you for this time, and uh, amen. Amen. I want to start off with a hard truth. Not everyone will finish the race. I want to I be more clear than that. I want you to look around this room, and I want you to know that not everyone in here will finish their spiritual race. I'm going to be even more clear. By what I'm saying, I'm saying there will be people in this room who decide they don't want Jesus anymore. People who will say heaven's not worth it. A relationship with Jesus is not worth it. Let that soak in. Hopefully that stirs something in you. Hopefully you don't swallow that pill easily. It shouldn't be a surprise, but it's the truth. In October, I will have been a disciple for 17 years. Okay? And over that time, I've had more of my close, close friends decide they don't want to know Jesus anymore. They decide they've got something better to do. And it's not fun, and it's hard, and it's scary. But when we signed up for this race, we knew going in that it would be a narrow path. 
Amen. Okay. Now tell me this. Who in here is familiar with the Appalachian Trail? All right. Has anybody ever done any portion of it or, or section? All right. How, how, how far did you go, David, when you did? Not that far. Not, not that far. Um, you guys, I mean, how, I know you guys have done sections before. What? 80 miles. Okay. So, so I, I've, done, I've done a section in Virginia, and, and we spent about four days. I couldn't tell you how long it was. We were just kind of enjoying ourselves. If I put those miles in my head, I don't want to do it. But I want to give you, I want to give you some, some stats here, all right? The Appalachian Trail, it starts in Springer Mountain in Georgia, and it goes all the way up to Mount, I can never pronounce this, Katahdin, Katahdin in Maine, okay? And if you don't know, that is 2,200 miles of trail, okay? And if you were, if, if you know anything about the trail, if you've done it, do you guys know what a through hiker is? A through hiker is someone who's trying to do it all at one time, you know, start in Georgia and they're going all the way up to Maine. And on average, let me just tell you this, on average, it takes five to seven months. To, if you're going straight through five to seven months to finish this thing, that's intense, you know. And here's another stat for you. Only 20% of the people who say, I'm going to through hike this thing, actually finish it. That's nuts. I didn't realize that. That's crazy to me because I, I've talked to people. I know people personally who have finished that 2,200-mile hike. But I want to tell you a story about a hiker. Uh, and this hiker, this happened in 2013, and, and this is really crazy. There's a woman, and on her, one of her bucket list things was, I'm going to hike this through hike this thing, you know, 2,200 miles. I just, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound fun to me, you know. Um, she said, I'm going to go do this. So her and her buddy, they start in Georgia and they hike, you know, and they go and go and go and they get up into Maine, all right. So they're in Maine and, and they're going along and this woman's friend gets sick and like sick enough to where she's like, I got to go home. I can't, I can't, I can't go any further. And she says, okay, that's cool. I'm going to keep going, all right? I'm so close to the end, I'm going to keep going. All right, so this woman, she heads off by herself, and just a little while after her friend left, she stops, and she goes, I need to go to the bathroom. Okay, that's normal. You know, we're out on the trail. We go, and she said, you know what? I need to, I need to get off the trail for a second. I'm not going to do my business, you know, where everybody's passing through. So she's, she gets off the trail. She walks, I don't know how far up, but she goes to use the restroom. And when she finishes, she stands up, and she could not find the trail again. This woman, this is a real story. This woman walked around in the woods for 26 days oh my gosh. and could not find the trail again. Okay, and she and this is crazy. She kept a journal the whole time that, that during that 26 days and they eventually found her. But this was this was well after the fact. She was just missing for a long time and she walked around for 26 days and she ended up dying only 50 yards from the trail. Wow. Is that not crazy? 
and you think to yourself, you're in Maine. How many times have you stopped to go to the bathroom in that 2,200 miles? Yeah. You're in Maine. You're almost done. You should know better. She was at the end of her race. She was getting close to the finish line, and she stopped to do a routine thing and got off the trail. Yeah. And we got to be aware that can be us. Yeah. Come on. None of us are immune to this. Yeah. And if right now you're thinking in your head, well, I know who that applies to, you know, that's not going to be me. You better wake up and think, you know what, that could be me. I'm not immune. I'm not immune to sin. I take a step off that path for anything. And there's a chance that I won't be able to find it again. Amen. And that's serious. That's yeah. how serious what, this, what we're talking about. We may miss our opportunity to finish. Amen. We got to pay attention. Yeah. We yeah. really have to pay attention to what we're doing. We can't, this, this, what, this race that we're running, this isn't just some for funsy, like 3K run, you know, walk, run, let's just go and have a good time. And, you know, it doesn't matter if we finish, it doesn't matter. This, what we're doing is serious. Amen. When we come here on Sunday, I didn't come here this morning to play church. Yeah. All right, I'm coming here because this is my life. Amen. This is what I decided is important. Amen. This is serious. And we've got, to, we've got to feel that weight in our life. But I want us to remember something. We all started this race, you know. How many of us, I, I, I don't know how many of us in here are actually disciples who, who, who decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. Uh, I, I don't need to see hands or anything, but I want us to, to think. When we made the decision to follow Jesus, I want us to remember that. And I want, us, I want to take us back. You know, I want us to think about for just a second, why did we choose Christianity? At some point, we had to decide that this is the religion. This is it. Yeah. At some point, we had, to, we had to decide, I'm choosing this. I choose Jesus. Yeah. And I want us to think about that for a second because... And I don't want us to be quick to answer that question because it's very easy. After 17 years, I can rattle off some answers. But I want us to think for a second and be real with ourselves. And think, remember, why did I make this decision? What was going on in my life at the time? Yeah. What were the things that I saw and felt and smelled? What were those things? Because at one point, when we started, this thing was real. And we made a decision that this is forever. Amen. And we need to, I want us to remember those things. Let's turn over to Romans 1. On. And I, you know, we, we've been reading in Hebrews. And, and I guess you'll find out what I'm talking about here soon, but. Um, I, want the, I want you guys to feel the weight of what I'm about to read. All right? I want it to sink in. I want it to sting. I, like, because this, this was all of us at one point. 
Romans 1, 18, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the eternal, immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped, the serve, worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. And in the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations, relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these things, but they approve of those who practice them. This was me, and this was you, without God. I don't know if you, you notice that in two sentences you had, you had murder and disobeying your parents. Okay? One and the same. You know, that's how in God's eyes, Reese, disobeying your parents is the same as murder. If you break one law, you're breaking them all. That's scary. If that's your deepest, darkest sin is disobeying your parents, you deserve death and it separated you from God. That's heavy. That was me. I grew up in the church. I didn't murder anybody. I didn't do drugs. I didn't get drunk. This was me. I separated myself from God. And when I found Jesus for the first time, I felt that weight. Do you remember? What was it for you? Do you remember? Let's turn to 1 Peter 1. Come on, man. 
I'm going to start in 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and your hope are in God. So at one point, we realized, I'm separated from God. There's something in my life blocking me. It may not be murder. It probably was not murder, okay? But there's something in your life that is separating, that was separating. Do you remember? And then you saw Jesus for the, for the first time and you said, thank God. Thank you. That's what I want. That's what I've been missing. I need that. And God, this whole time, this whole time he's loved you. And he's looked at you and, and taken compassion and had pity on you because you're helpless, you're harassed, you're broken, you're poor, you're naked. And I didn't even know I was that, but I was on the inside. And I saw Jesus. And I saw God for the first time. And he's told, he said to me, I want you. Amen. I want you. And know what, Ben? Know what you're worth? It's not gold or silver. You're worth more than that to me. Amen. You're worth my son's life. You're worth his blood. And he's willing to pay that price for each of us. He paid that price for each of us. Do you remember? Is it sinking in yet? Do you remember? Let's turn back to Romans. And at that point, when, when we found Jesus and we saw him for the first time, we had to make a decision. And in Romans 12, verse 1, we know the scripture says, Therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy. Amen. And that's it. We were in view of God's mercy. And how sweet that felt. And how hungry you were for it. How much you craved it. You needed it. We still need it. But we said, you know what? In view of your mercy, I know who I am. I know where I came from. I know my junk. And you were willing to give your son from me so I could have a relationship with you? In view of that, know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a living sacrifice. Amen. I made a decision 17 years ago, and I got in a freezing cold pool in October, and I said, Jesus is Lord, and I put myself to death. I said, it's not about me anymore. 
I said, from this day on, for the rest of my life, I will be a living sacrifice. Do you guys remember? Do you remember? Is it sinking in? Hopefully this is stirring something in you. And if, if you're like, Ben, I don't know what in the world you're talking about. If you want to know Jesus, you can seek him and you will find him and you will experience what I'm talking about. Talk to somebody who has made Jesus Lord and let them tell you about it. And you can find out what I'm talking about because it feels good. And I got to celebrate about that. And when we come here on Sundays, this is a time to celebrate. I'm not the old man I was. I get to sing songs about how I'm changed. I'm different. I'm going to heaven someday. Do you remember? Right now, I want to sing a song. We sang this. We used to sing this song after every baptism. Uh, and it's to the point where I, it lost meaning to me, you know. But it is a song that is awesome. And so I want to take, I I take a second here. I want us to sing this song together. It's called, uh, it's wrong page. It's called, <laughs> I have decided to follow Jesus. 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 No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Do you remember? I made the decision 
that I would never turn back. And, and that's, that's crazy. Um, that's a big decision. I made that decision when I was 14. I was a freshman in high school. And I decided right then, I made the biggest decision in my life when I was 14. Can you believe that? I decided, I, this is it. I knew I could see the world for what it was at 14. I made that decision. But I want to tell you a secret here, okay? You want to know the secret for following Jesus for the rest of your life, for never quitting, never turning back. I'm going to give you a secret here. Fix your eyes on Jesus. (laughs) Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's it. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's turn to Hebrews. Now, this is where we've been reading for a while now. And we've been talking about the race. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles our hearts. And let us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. We've, uh, we, we've had some really awesome lessons the past few weeks. You know, Ian came and he was talking about the race that we're running and talking about the way that we train. And we don't, if we're running a, ra- a certain race, you've got to train for that race. And that's important. We've got to know those things. You know, we also talked... Uh, about the hindrances and the thing and the sin that entangles our hearts and how we got to throw those off. We need to be like, we need to be like a speedo bathing suit. We need, we got to be slick, you know. We can't have that stuff weighing us down, you know. If if it's our ego and we're like, our personality is bloated, as my man said, we gotta we gotta pop our own bubble and you know move move past that. And we've got a, this sin that's in our hearts that it'll always be there. You know, when I made Jesus Lord, I, I died to my sin, but that doesn't mean I stopped sinning. You know, I'm 32 now, and between 14 and 32, I've sinned a lot, you know. But I made the decision that I'm always going to repent, and I'm always going to come back. But then from there, we talk about fixing our eyes on Jesus. And it's so easy. We can fix our eyes on a lot of things in this life. And even having those awesome lessons and hearing those good things that we need to hear and that we, we, need, to do, we need to do, he doesn't say, fix our eyes on our sin. He doesn't say, fix our eyes on, on the things hindering us so that we can throw them off. No, he doesn't do that. He says, do that so you can better fix your eyes on me. Yeah. That's what it's about. But in this life, in this life, it's so easy to fix our eyes on on so many things around us. And I was thinking about it. I was like, what do I fix my eyes on? My sin, my failures, my successes, my victories. You know, at church, I can fix my eyes on the preacher, you know, 
on my church, on the future, on mental health issues. It can be so easy. I was thinking about that, and it's so easy. We, we all struggle with so many different things. And, you know, recently I feel like I've become more aware to, like, the mental health things that are around me. And, and to say that, I feel like I should have been more aware a long time ago. I mean, in our family, there's, we're working through mental health stuff. And, and, you know, there's some depression and some other different things. But, but God doesn't call us to fix our eyes on those things. That does, he, he's not saying don't go get help. Don't take medicine if you need medicine. Don't, don't seek help for those things. But he's, he's saying that's not your life. Jesus is your life. Amen. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. You know, I thought about my family. I thought about my parents. My, my siblings. And then I thought about my wife. God does not call me to fix my eyes on my wife. Yeah. Fix my eyes on my family. He doesn't call us to fix our eyes on our children. Yeah. They're important. Our families are so important. But if our eyes are not fixed on yeah. Jesus, we can't serve and love our families the way we need to. Right. There's a lot of us who are just getting out of college in here. And, and we, can, we can fix our eyes on the future, on our career, yeah. on the shiny things that we can now afford. And those things, that's what I'm fixing my eyes on. It's the next new car. It's the next TV. It's the house. I can, I can afford a house now. I've got a job. Look at me. You know, he doesn't call us to fix our eyes on those things. Those aren't bad things, but that's not what we're called to fix our eyes on, our career. You know, there's a lot of students in here. God calls us to fix our eyes on him, not on school, not on the university. Those things are important, but he only calls us to fix our eyes on him. You know, with the politics coming up, you know, with who's going to be president, he doesn't call us to fix our eyes on who's president. Yeah. Right. He calls us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And most of all, this is the hardest one, is we fix our eyes on ourselves. Yeah. He does not call us to fix our eyes on ourselves. Good. Come on. We're supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus. When I got baptized, I died to myself. I said, it's not about me any longer. It's about you now. And that's tough to do. That's so hard to do because I love my family and I want the best for them. I love my job. I want to do my best and I want to make enough money to support my family. You know, all these things, those pressures, you know, the bills, the anxieties that I have. I got to deal with those things. I've got to man up and go to work and do what I need to do to take care of my family. But my focus needs to be yeah. on Jesus. Now tell me, who likes pizza? I love pizza. I love pizza. My wife really loves pizza. And it is a problem. 
We've had many long talks about the pizza. Um, no. Sarah makes this awesome, not pizza, but point about pizza. And, and she, she says in her life, Jesus has got to be the crust and everything else are the toppings on top. You know, and that's funny, but it makes sense that, that without the crust, it's not a pizza. If you just got the toppings, you got some slop. I don't know what you want to call it, but no one on Friday night ever says, let's get a movie and some slop. <laughs> Have you ever said that? No. They said, I want some pizza. And, and really, really, that's, we've got to remember that, that Jesus encompasses all of these things and just makes it better. You know, all those things can fit on top of Jesus. There's enough room. You know, whatever that big decision that you're like, well, this is going to mean, this is going to mean Jesus or the career. This is going to be whatever. If it means you got to, if it's so big that it means you got to throw out Jesus, you don't want that job. Yeah, that's right. If that thing is so big that it won't fit on the scope of Jesus, yeah. it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. You know, I, that helps me remember that, that he's, he's got to be the foundation for it all. And I know pizza, that's silly, whatever, but it's serious. He's, he's got to be the foundation. And, and here's something that I've noticed over the, over the years. And maybe, maybe you, you're like this. And I've, in fact, I know you are because I've seen it. it. I've seen it. You know, it's so easy for us to get so, so sensitive to everything around us. And we completely lose all sensitivity towards Jesus. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? That that everything around us, we become, uh, everything around us is just so, I, I don't know, it just... I'm on eggshells all the time or everything. I'm just, my skin's paper thin. But then my heart is hard towards Jesus. And it's, and it's weird as life goes on. And as, if we forget where we came from, our heart builds the barnacles that we talked about. You know that we're running half steam. We can't keep up because this stuff is growing around our heart and we need to chisel it off. You know, you look at, uh, I think it was Pat, he was talking about the disciples in the boat with Jesus. All right, and their boat was sinking and they were freaking out. And Jesus was in the boat and he said, you have a little faith, what are you doing? Here I am. And they're like, but the boat's sinking. Do you not see it? And we can make, like, we're not in a sinking boat, but that's how we act about everything. And Jesus is right here next to us. He's in our boat with us. He's in our, he's right here. And we're freaking out about, ah, and this is me. I do this. And you may not see it because I can hide it. Okay. And, but this is real. And we've got to deal with this stuff. We've got to scrape the barnacles off our heart. And we've got to get some thicker skin on the outside 
because we understand that Jesus is right here. He's with us. He's Lord. He's going to take care of me. He's going to see me through. That's important. Don't let that, don't be so sensitive on the outside that we lose sensitivity towards God. Here's another thing that, that, that I can do over the years is, is as I forget what's going on is when I study my Bible, I, I study my Bible a lot. How many in here, how many people in here have read their Bible every day this week? I want to see, raise them up, raise them up, put them up high. All right. I didn't, I raised my hand cause I was setting the example. I didn't, I was sick. You know, I was sick this week and I slept in one day, but every day other than that, I read my Bible. You know, it is important that we read our Bible. And in our family group, we've we've said with each other that we are going to read our Bible every single day. And we talk about that. That's important. If you're not doing that. You'll never really get educated in God and you'll just. You'll never really know who God is. You'll just kind of be doing stuff. And that's the sad fact. That's, that's scary, but that's the sad fact. You know, Sarah and I were talking, we were talking about how it takes 10,000 hours to become a master at something. So that's like 10 years of doing something full time, you know, to become a master. So if I want to be a master at being a mechanic, 10 years of doing that full time, I'll be a mechanic. And so we did the math, and if we read our Bible for one hour a day, it'll take us 27 years to be a master at it. That's a long time. We need to devote time. If we want, if this is as important as we say it is, we've got to devote time to it. That's crazy, you know? We can't, that's just, I mean, think about what we devote our time to, you know, watching TV, looking (laughs) on the internet, you know? twiddling our thumbs you know it it's were you twiddling your thumbs dang it man you got caught i didn't even god and in church golly can you believe it (laughs) the uh but here's here's something that we can do is when we're studying our bibles which i encourage you to do over the years i can make studying my bible all about me And I miss out on learning new things about Jesus and learning new things about God because I'm feeling all different kinds of ways. And I'm, I'm, my eyes are focused on a hundred different things instead of Jesus. And so everything I read, I pull some little trinket out that might apply or I can kind of cork it a little bit to apply to the thing that I feel today. I do this a lot, and I'm, I was putting this together, and I was thinking about that, and it's not cool. <laughs> you know, our, our goal is to know Jesus intimately, to know the finer things about God, to go under the surface. And I can't do that if, if, if every time I open the Bible, all I'm trying to pull out are just little little crumbs that will satisfy whatever I'm feeling that day. We've got to go deeper. We've got to go deeper. And it's the same thing when we pray. But one of the things that we've been doing in our family groups, this is really, really cool. And this is, 
I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even realize how much I needed this. But what we've been doing for our family group, we're reading through Matthew. And we're going through a chapter a week. And we're reading it at home, and we're asking ourselves a few questions. And it may look a little different for the other family groups that are in here, but it's all very similar. Is we're asking ourselves, what do I learn about Jesus in this? Because it's the, an apostle, an epistle. You know, what do I learn about Jesus? How did Jesus interact with people? What did, you know, what did Jesus look like in the situation that he was in? And then after I think about those things, what is the nugget? What is the take home for me? And as I've been doing that, I've found that I can jump straight to what is the nugget for me and miss out on what the whole purpose of this is, is to get to know Jesus intimately. The whole point of this is to go deeper with Jesus and to flesh it out, to say, who was this man? that I'm following, you know, so I can be more like him. And that's something, and this is something I'm working on, and I've been a disciple for 17 years. You know, there are people here that just got baptized. It doesn't come overnight. It takes time and all these things, and we got to start somewhere. But the whole, all I'm trying to say with all this is focus on Jesus. It's take the mirror out from in front of your face, set it to the side and focus on Jesus. You know, and we're getting close to the end of my lesson here, but it says it says uh, I, I was thinking about the church. And we can come to church and the church can become all about us. You know, we come here and some of us came here this morning feeling this way. You know, I don't like the songs that we just sang. I don't like the way that Ben preaches. You know, I wouldn't have done it like that. You know, I wanted this and I wanted that. If that's the way you're thinking about church, you've got the wrong idea. Like I said beginning, this is a family time. This is where we come in to remember what we said we'd do forever. Follow Jesus and to celebrate that together, that we're in the fight together. It's not easy, and you know it's not easy, you know? And we can, we can show empathy to one another, and we, we're in the fight together. We're down in the trenches. Let's celebrate that God's going to carry us through, you know? And we can take courage and then go back and continue to live our life because this, this here, this could be so superficial. We just come in here for a little while and, and hang out and smile at each other. I mean, I can be on my best behavior, behavior for an hour and a half, two hours, you know, whatever. <laughs> Reese can do that. Anybody can come in here and do that. But that's not we, what we're coming here to do. Yeah. We're coming here to take courage so that we can continue to focus in yeah. on Jesus. Amen. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. God just wants to, God just is saying, look at me. Look at me. That's what he wants. Look at me. Here I am. And we all know, we've all heard this, we must become less and he must become more. You know, our goal should not be to just know God. Yeah, I knew Jesus. Yeah, we went to church together. That's it. You know, that's, that's not what... I signed up for. That's not hopefully what you signed up for. 
Our, we want to know him intimately. Right. Like I know my wife. Intimate. You know, the deep things. When I read my Bible and I study these things out, I want to know, like I want to be able to go through my day and I want to know what his fingerprints look like. I want to know what his handwriting looks like. I want to know his essence. I want to know, I, I don't know, his markings, his aroma, his, him. I, I want to be able to go through my day and say, that was God. Amen. That was Jesus. Because right. I know Jesus. It wasn't anything else. You know, I was talking to Keith, and he, he was reminding me of uh, when agents go and they learn about counterfeit bills. You know, who in here knows how many counter, types of counterfeit bills are out in circulation right now, just in the U.S.? Who knows? No, I'm asking. I don't know. I, I wanted to. I, I don't know. So a lot. Here's the thing. There's a ton. But what they teach them is they say, they say, here's the real thing. You've got to know this so well that if a fake is put in front of you, you can spot it. There's no way to keep up with all the other things going on. You focus on the real thing. Amen. You know, and that's how we want to know our Bibles. That's how deeply we want to know God is that when we're in our lives and, and a door opens for us, we can say that was God. You know, in Romans, it talks about when we make the decision to become a living sacrifice, then we'll know his good and pleasing will. You know, it's after we, we, we find out who he is and we have his mercy in view and we get intimate with him. Amen. That's, this stuff is important and it's heavy. But that's, that's how deeply, when he says, fix your eyes on me, that's what he's asking for. He's not just like over his shoulders. Yeah. You know, I had another thought, too, about moms and children. And, you know, when you ask a mom, where is your kid, especially when they have knee high children, you know, they're like they always know. There's not a time when they don't know where their kids are. You know, they're always in the periphery. They're always in view. And if they're not, they know exactly where they left them and what's going on with them. That's the type of awareness we need to have with God is that we're always aware of where he is. He's always in my periphery, no matter where I'm at, my work, school, job, whatever. He's in my periphery. I know what's going on with him. Uh, I want to close out here with just a few scriptures. And um, hopefully I haven't gone too long. I haven't been keeping track. Reese says, yes, you have gone long. Um, these are just a few things. We're going to go to Colossians 3. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We have got to focus in on God. 
on Jesus. And uh, I really like this scripture here, and we're going to go back to 1 Peter. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, I'm getting over some sickness, and I'm losing my voice here a little bit. Therefore, verse 13, chapter 1, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Prepare your mind for action. 1 Peter 1, 18. And then lastly, let's go into Psalms 141. And this is a psalm that David wrote. And I think that, like, I, I read this and, and this is what I'm trying to, Get across. This is what someone looks like who is focused in, who has got his eyes set. It says, O Lord, I call to you. Come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil. To take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. Yet my prayer is ever against the deeds of the evildoers. Their rulers will be thrown down from the cliffs, and the wicked will learn that my words were well spoken. They will say, as one plows and breaks up the earth, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of the grave. But my eyes are fixed on you, O sovereign Lord, and you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me from the snares that have, laid, have been laid before me, from the traps set by evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass in safety. Look at that. Man. It's amazing. I love the fact that he prayed. He said, he said watch, guard my mouth because I know I say some crazy things. I need that. I ask my wife. I say stupid stuff all the time. I don't ever pray like that. Guard my lips. Guard what I say. Don't let me fall in with the evildoers. Help me to make a stand against the sin in my life and the sin around me. Listen to this. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. When is the last time you felt that way about someone correcting you? When is the last time you felt that way about someone saying, I noticed this in your life and it's not good. I want to help you. Let me serve you. That's a kindness. We got to wrap our hearts around this. David understood that. We need that. And then lastly, but my eyes are fixed on you, O sovereign Lord. 
at the end of the day, can, when we come home and we're sitting down for dinner, can we say that? Oh, Lord, my eyes are fixed on you. They have been all day. Right now, we're going we're gonna to take the communion. And we know the scriptures do this in remembrance of me. Half of the things I talked about were remembering. It's so easy to forget in this life. Remember where you came from. Remember that sin that so easily entangled you. Remember the covenant that you made. And then back in Hebrews 12, after I think it's in verse 2 or 3, it says, consider him. We're going to take a minute, a minute to consider him. You know, and in this life, I've made two covenants that are lifelong. One to Jesus and one to my wife. And with my wife, I've got to renew that covenant. Every time I tell her I love her, I renew that covenant. I say, you know what? I love you. You're the only one. And when I say I'm sorry, I renew that covenant with my wife, saying I've blown it. I won't do that again. I don't want to hurt you. And we do something similar with Jesus. When we come here on Sundays, when we have this time with our family, we get to renew our covenant. When we remember back and we say, this is the decision that I made, that for the rest of my life, whether you've been doing great at it or not, say, I'm sorry, or I love you. I'm renewing my covenant from here on out. I'm never turning back. Though no one come with me, I'm never turning back.